Welcome to Roots Radio, weekly high school Bible studies located at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. We're in Exodus chapter 3 tonight, and so far we've seen first chapter introduced to the people of Israel. They're, they're in bondage in Egypt, and that God was going to take them out of Egypt, out of bondage. And then chapter 2, we're introduced to the character of Moses who was a Jew, but was raised by Pharaoh's family. And he was part of that elite, elite family, part of the most, most powerful family on, on the earth at the time. And today, we we're going to see, he went out into the wilderness last week we saw. He, he had to run away out into the wilderness because he killed an Egyptian. And today, we we're going to see the Moses and the burning bush. Who, who has not heard that? That's a better question. Not who has. Who has not heard that story? Moses in the burning bush. Has anyone heard that story? Everyone's heard that story, right? Oh, it is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. It is so, so great. Let's dig into this. Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mount of God, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he burned aside, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Man. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we get to spend in your word. Thank you for uh, this awesome example, Lord, that you would take an ordinary, broken man and that you would use him to do something extraordinary. Lord, you teach us from your word, encourage us, and... Uh, Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week, Moses um, was in Egypt, and the people of Israel were, were in bondage, right? They were slaves. They were, they were beaten, and they were, it was just not, not a good time. They were crying out to God, and God heard their answer, right? Before that, Moses tried, he saw that, and he tried to take it in his own hands. He had a burden for the people of Israel that they would, they would be set free. And he was angered by it, and he tried taking it in his own hands. And he looked, looked to the left, looked to the right, and he didn't see, didn't see any Egyptians. And he, he killed one of the Egyptian men, right? But he didn't look up. He didn't look up. God was looking at him, and God was watching. He tried taking it in his own hands, and he failed at it. Then, a couple, a couple days, weeks later, well, not later, when there was another dispute, and Moses tried to step in, and the Egyptians said, oh, weren't, weren't you the guy that killed, killed one of us? What, are you going to kill me too? And Moses freaked out. He ran to the wilderness. He was a, a broken man. He went from being part of the elite crew of, of Pharaoh, the most powerful people in the world, to being out in the wilderness. Check it out. Verse 1 says he was tending to the flock of, of Jethro. He was, he was a shepherd. He was just a lowly shepherd from being, being with the top, top of Pharaoh to being like bottom, bottom of the totem pole being a shepherd, and he was just going about daily life. He was, he was a broken man, and his life had, had come to nothing. And the thing that he wanted to do to free the people, it failed because he wanted to do it his way. 
But we're going to see here today that God, God is so good, and he, he restores, and he still had a plan. And check it out, Moses is going to get to do exactly what, what he had a burden to do, right? To lead the people out of that bondage, but he's going to do it God's way. And check it out how, how God called him. Through this burning bush. It says that, verse 2 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. He looked, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So he's just tending his sheep, he's going through, and he's in the desert, and he gets this idea, let's go to the, to the mountain. And this mountain was called the mountain of, of God. Oh, I love, I love the outdoors. I, I went outdoors, I went on a hike today. I love the outdoors. There's something about getting outside just from our natural, well, not natural, the outdoors is natural, just busy life, just getting outdoors and experiencing God's creation. I absolutely love it. I love the mountains, too. And this was called the mountain of God. How awesome is that? That's God's mountain. Moses didn't know that yet, but he decided, maybe I'm, I'm in this ordinary life, whatever. I'm going out. I'm going to that mountain right there. He just thought he was going to have a fun day. Little did he know he was going to see this bush that was being consumed, this great fire, right? There's a flame going out like a bonfire. You guys imagine being at a bonfire and you throw a log in. And you see the log gets charred up, and then it breaks, and then it just crumbles, and by the end of the night, it's charcoal and it's nothing, right? But this bush, these branches and leaves, whatnot, they were not burning. That would, none of you are amazed. No? No, if you would be walking around in the desert, and then you decide to go up to a mountain, and you see a bush that's on fire, and it's not burning, you just walk past me like, okay, cool. Just keep, keep on going about your day. No, you would stop and freak out. What in the world is going on here? I would, be, I would be a little scared. What in the world is going on here? So, I like how the Bible just records, and it says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. He was probably freaking out, but Moses, who wrote this, wanted to act cool. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just checked it out. Yeah. Okay. So, he goes and sees, why is this bush not burning? And God used something extraordinary to get a hold of him, to, to get his attention. And sometimes God does big things to take, to get our attention on him and see what to seek him and, and what he's doing in our life. And here we see it was, it was a burning bush that, that didn't consume it. it. Says verse 4: When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He called him by, by his name. He knew his name. The Bible says that he knows your name personally. He knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs that you have on your head. He knows you personally and he cares for you. And he wants a personal relationship with you. So he called Moses by name. And he said, here I am. He responded. He responded, here I am, Lord. What's going on? And that should be our response too. When God calls to us, when he's speaking to us, when we're seeking him in his word, to have an open heart, to, to desire to hear from him, and to be in that place. So he said, here I am. Verse 5 said, then he said, do not draw near this place. God said this, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. For the longest time, ever since I was a little kid, I never understood why, why are you taking your sandals off? Big deal. Like, is it, his, feet, his feet were dirty too. Why does it matter? And studying for this and trying to understand it kind of started to make sense. Well, okay, 
God told him, don't draw near the sandals on your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. Okay, so the place where God was, even just that fire, just where the fire was, because it had the presence of God, it was holy. It was set apart. That's all that holy means, to be, be set apart. Only God is holy and set apart. And God told him, not even the dust from your feet, that you've been walking around the desert and up this mountain, not even the dust of your feet can touch this ground. And in the same way, when we try to approach God, nothing of the world, none of the filth of the world, nothing can, can be with us, nothing can be in the presence of God. Just like not even the dust from outside of that area of the burning bush could go into that presence. Sin cannot, it cannot coexist with God. But praise God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of our sin so that we can approach Hebrews says, boldly approach the throne room of God. That is so amazing. Do you guys know that when, when we pray, when we pray to God, we are, we are literally approaching the throne room of God in heaven. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. And God told Moses, not even the dust on your sandals can come into this place. Take them off your feet. And verse 6 says, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And it's interesting that he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't say, I, I was the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am. I still am. And that shows us, that, that proves there, there is a resurrection. God didn't say, I was. They're dead and, I don't know, don't exist anymore. I don't know. They're, they're still alive. They, they're resurrected we have an eternal soul that lives forever, and God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, there's that little nugget right there. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And so, we see his reaction when he realized he was in the presence of Almighty God. He hid his face. He was, he was humbled. And that, is our, our, that should be our reaction, too. And we, when we see God for who he is and his holiness, his righteousness, we should, we should be humbled as well. And that was the same reaction that Isaiah the prophet had when he was in the presence of God as well. We see that many times the example of different characters in the Bible. So, verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. That is so great to know that God hears us. He hears our cry. And he knows our sorrows. He's not just the man upstairs. He's not just, I don't know what. He, he loves us. He cares for us. And he hears us. He knows what's going on in our lives. And he wants us to cry out to him and ask for help. For, that, for help that he would, he would be in our lives. That he would be with us going through it day by day. And he does. We see the example here. He says, the, I have heard their sorrows. I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and Hivites and all those guys, and the Jebusites. There you go, another one. So God said he desires, I have come down to deliver them. And you guys know Egypt was a picture, it's a picture, it's a type, like a, you know, in literature you see different, different types, different characters, different foreshadowing, all that stuff. In, in Bible, as a piece of literature, Egypt is a type of, of sin. And we see that, that the, the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. And the same way, sin bring, brings bondage. 
But God said he desires to deliver them in the same way he desires to deliver us out of sin, right? And the way out of that is Jesus. Jesus died for our sins so that we wouldn't have to live in bondage. So, to a good land flowing with milk and honey. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So, just an ordinary day, taking care of his sheep, and decides to do a little something different, go up a mountain, sees the most amazing thing he's ever seen in his life, a burning bush, and it's the voice of God Almighty speaking to him. Gnarly. And what does he tell him? You are going to go to the most powerful man in the world, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. You're going to tell him to let all his slaves go. Can you imagine that? That's a huge, huge task. You go to the most powerful man in the world and tell him, let all those Hebrews go. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, he was a broken man. He'd, he was in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years earlier, he had been at the, the top level of his life, and he came crashing down hard. And he'd been broken, just ordinary life doing it. Probably had lost hope. Probably I thought, there's, there's nothing else that, that God could do with my life. And... I can share from the testimony of my own life, too. I've been there where I, I had my career going, I had different things going in my life, and everything came crashing down. Everything came crashing down because I was trying to do it on my own, in my own strength, for myself, and it came, it came crashing down. I thought, God could, never, God could never do anything in my life. And there was a season of, of wilderness, I could say, just like, like Moses, where I just thought, okay, whatever. I'm just going to go day by day and... Here we go. God, if you can do anything else in my life, you're going to do it. And I can share from my own testimony, but how much more awesome to see this testimony of, of Moses. He's doing something even crazier than I am. I've got, absolutely, God is so good. He's, he's restored and done different things in my life. But this guy is going to go lead an entire nation. That's pretty gnarly. So he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? So first, there's humility here, like we saw earlier, that he hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God, and, and he, he realized who he was in the sight of God. And then Moses said to him, who, who, who am I? So what does God say to him? What's his response? Verse 12, check it out. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. For when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God tells him, I will certainly be with you. And that is such comfort. And in that season of my life, too, when I didn't know what was going on, I just knew God was with me. And that gave me strength just to go day by day, day by day, one day at a time, just God was with me. God has a plan. He loves me. And the example here, too, he told Moses, I will certainly be with you. And that is so comforting. It's interesting, though, that he said, this will be a sign to you that I've sent you. So here's a sign that I'm going to give you that I'm with you. After all that happens, after you're out of Egypt, you're going to come and worship me here. Wouldn't you want a sign like right now? Like, God, I want you. I want to know that you're with me. I want today. I want to know that you're with me. But God told Moses, after all that's done, after that passes, then you're going to look back and you're going to know that I was with you. And that's going to be the sign that you're going to worship me. 
and that God made him walk by faith through that. And in that time, in our own lives too, when we have to wait on God and wait on his promises, our faith grows stronger. Romans says that, that trials produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. When we have patience, that produces our character. The man or, or the young woman that, that God is, is forming us to be, when we are patient, that, that takes place. God, God uses that to, to form and shape our lives. And our character is built. And as our character is built, man, we, we have that hope that what God promised us through that trial, God is taking us through it. And he, we have hope that that is going to come true. And then when it finally comes to pass, it's so great to look back and, and know God is with me every step of the way. And our faith is, is strengthened through that. So God told Moses, I'm going to be with you. I will certainly be with you. There's an assurance that God is always with you. Don't ever, ever, ever forget that. That God loves you and he was with you. Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never forget that. Verse 13 Moses said to God, Indeed, when I have come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So it goes from, from just, just humility, now it goes to, to doubt, to doubting, okay, how, how in the world is God? God can use me. Okay, how is this going to happen? And so here we see kind of an example of what not to do, though. He starts to make excuses. And his first excuse here is, is what, what if they don't believe me, God? What am I going to tell them is his name? It's interesting that he asked, what, what, is, what is your name? And Moses himself, again, he, he was a Jew, and he believed in God, yes. But maybe from, from this, I don't know, I can see, maybe he didn't personally know God yet. He didn't have a personal walk with him, maybe. I, I don't know, because he asked, what, what is your name? So the question is, too, do you, do you believe in God, but do you have a personal walk with him? Do you personally know him? So God said to him, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is pretty huge right here. Huge. Oh, my goodness. I am. This is, this is, this is the name of God here. Sorry, there's, a, there's just uh, there's reverence in what I'm about to teach here. I don't, I don't know what I'm about to say because I don't have notes on this verse. The scribes, when, when they wrote the Bible, um, they, they would not even, they had so much reverence just for the name of God that when they would, they would write the, the, old, the old scrolls, right, they would dip the ink, they would dip the, the pen in the ink, they would start to write one letter, and they would put it down, get a new pen. Actually, they would go out, wash their hands, cleanse themselves, go back, get a new pen, dip it again, next letter, go back to cleansing themselves, and one letter at a time they would do that because this is the, the, the holy and perfect and righteous name of God Almighty, the one true living God, the only, the only God, the name above all names. It's the great I am. And in Hebrew, it's, it's Jehovah, it's Yahweh, and it's, it's I am, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. There are many names. I am blank. It's so amazing. God is everything that we would ever, ever need in this life. Fill that blank in with absolutely anything that you could imagine, anything that you need in this life. You need guidance, you need provision, you need healing, you need 
strength, you need whatever, wisdom, what, anything it would be, God is absolutely everything. He is love. He is perfect love. He is light, the Bible says. He is absolutely everything. It's, it's the greatest name, the name above all names. And you know what the name above all names says? It's Jesus. Jesus, the one true and living God, the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And his name is the great I Am. Praise the Lamb. My goodness. Praise it. I didn't know what I was going to say. That. All right. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's the name, by the way. When Jesus was on trial, when Jesus was on trial, he didn't speak a single word because he wasn't guilty. They gave false accusations. They were beating and spitting in his face. And he didn't answer any of the questions because he, he was not guilty to any of that. But he was standing there silent because he was ready to take our blame. The only thing that he answered, they asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus spoke the words, I am. Oh, man, that's so amazing. He spoke those words. Jesus is God. So, he says, thus God told him, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. It's his name forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega. From before time began to, to all of eternity, Jehovah, the great I Am, was. He was, he is, and he is to come for all generations. And we're going to praise his name forever when we get to heaven. He said, continuing here, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. Again, God, God, never, God never turns a blind eye. He never doesn't, he, he's never unaware of what's going on in our lives. He always knows what's going on, and he always has a purpose through it. Like we learned in chapter 1, God always has a purpose through, through something and, or whatever is going on in our lives. There's always a purpose, and he always knows what is going on. I heard once that, that God, he always has his, his hand, hand on the thermometer and his eye on, his eye on the thermostat and his hand on the thermometer. So he knows how hot it is, and he has a hand on that, on that thermo, thermostat to turn it down or turn it up. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives, and he's planning through it. He's taking us through it. Sorry, I should have written that down or something because I butchered that. All right. Anyways, go and gather them. Let's do this thing. I have said I will bring you up and out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, all these ites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. He's promising them, this place that I'm going to take you, it is awesome. It is flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and your elders, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of Hebrews, of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So we're going to see in the next few chapters, Moses, he is going to go to Pharaoh and ask him first, hey, we want to go into the wilderness to worship our God. That is the purpose for it. And that is the purpose for, for us to be taken out of bondage of sin into 
a, a new life in Christ. That is what the, the picture of the, the promised land is a picture of, of a virtuous Christian life in, in Christ. And so that is the purpose of it for us as well, to be able to worship God freely, to live this life freely, worshiping him with our lives and serving him. So let us go into the wilderness three days and we sacrifice the Lord our God. And I am sure, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not even by a mighty hand. So not even, not by your own strength, nothing that you're going to do, Moses, God is telling him, nothing that you're going to be able to do, Moses, not by a mighty hand is even Pharaoh going to let up at all. God knew beforehand that Pharaoh's heart is going to be hard and he won't let the people go. And you guys know the story from, from when we're all kids, right? There's going to be the ten plagues, all that. God knew that beforehand. So, he says, so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. So God says, I will be with you. And we see continually, God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. And that is so great to have that have that encouragement. God always provides a way. Get some water here. God always provides a way. He says, I will stretch out my hand, strike Egypt with all my wonders. He says, I will give my people his favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of his neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. All right. That was a lot of dialogue. Dialogue from God himself. God himself was speaking. Sorry, I don't mean to make light of that at all. God was speaking to Moses, his audible voice from a burning bush. Again, just normal day going hiking, and then he sees a burning bush, and the voice of God speaks to him. That is absolutely incredible. Now we're going to go to chapter 4. You're going to see some ridiculous stuff here. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has appeared to you. The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord has not appeared to you. Again, Moses here, he's starting to make more excuses. You guys, don't, don't make excuses when God asks you to do something. Or... Hey, when your parents ask you to do something too, when we're supposed to be doing something, when you know you're supposed to do something, don't make excuses. Trust the Lord. We see God gives him encouragement over and over again. Now he's going to show him miracles to, to prove it. There's no reason to make excuses, but he does. And it's so great. It's so great to have this example of Moses. Moses was just an ordinary man. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Exodus. I don't, I don't recommend it. Actually, it's, it's a terrible movie. It's not biblical at all. I watched an airplane ride because I had absolutely nothing better to do. And I really didn't like a single minute of it, and I stopped it early. So don't watch it. But the only thing that was cool was that it showed this, this dialogue that, that Moses had with, with himself. He talked to himself because he was going crazy. The dialogue that he had with other people, the, the frustrations, the, the doubts, the worries that he had. And his dialogue, dialogue with God, that, that was the only cool thing in that movie, just to see him portrayed as an ordinary man. Because sometimes we, we read this story and other stories in the Bible, and we see how, God, how in the world could you use me? Look at Moses. He struck the, the Red Sea, and it split in two. But, but he, he, he was an ordinary man. He didn't do that. God did that miracle. He was an ordinary man that God used. And that is really encouraging. So don't go watch that movie. Just read the Bible. That's what you should do. <laughs> um, 
The Lord, okay, so doubt, he's doubting here. And he says, suppose maybe they won't believe me and God hasn't sent you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. God said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. <laughs> I love, I love, I love the Bible. Oh, I just, I love how honest the Bible. He fled from, and Moses, again, Moses is writing this. And I ran away. How cool is that? There's little five words in there. That's so funny. Oh, where's, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand again. So this is wild. I hate snakes so much. They're from the pit of Sheol. They're, I mean, the devil was a serpent in Genesis 3, right? Terrible creature. I would have ran away too, absolutely. No, I would have grabbed a big rock and killed it first. I, I mean, I probably would have ran away from the burning bush. Thank God he spoke to Moses. Maybe if he wouldn't have spoken to Moses, he would have just ran away too, right? So thank God he speaks to us too, because I would have ran away from crazy situations in my life too. So he's got this rod in his hand, just something absolutely ordinary. He's a shepherd, right? He's been in the wilderness for, for 40 years, and he's, he's a shepherd. And it's just, so why does he have a rod? Question. Why does he have a rod? Yes. A staff. He said a rod. It's not a, it's not a staff. Why does he have a rod? Yes. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years. He probably, okay, he probably did hit the sheep with it too. A cane. Yes, it's like a cane because he's old and weak. He needs that rod, right? Because he's old and weak and he needs that rod. And God tells him, what's in your hand? And Moses is like, a rod. Why are you asking me, God? <laughs> and he says, cast it on the ground. And Moses could have been like, no, I'm going to fall over. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. He casts it on the ground, and it turns into a snake. The evil creature. My goodness. And he says, pick it back up. So he ran, wait, hold on. And Moses fled from it. He, had a, he ran away from it. Then God told him, no, 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 run back and pick it up. How funny is that? <laughs> God, God must have been laughing too. Moses didn't record that, but I bet God was laughing. God has a great sense of humor. <laughs> Where am I going with this? It's a rod. It's just an ordinary thing. It's an ordinary thing that Moses needed, and there was absolutely nothing, nothing special about it at all, right? He's an old man, and he needs it so he can walk. And God takes that ordinary thing, and he does an amazing miracle with it. And a lot of times in our life, just ordinary stuff, daily school, sports, jobs, whatever it would be, we might think there's, there's nothing special about this. There's nothing. God, he can't do anything with this. Absolutely, he can. If he can turn a, a rod into a snake, he can use your school so you can be a witness for him, so you can love on some kids, love on some friends, right? Your neighbors, your, your friends, your, your 
classmates, right? Absolutely. So, he says, reach out, you reach out your hand and take it by the tail, and it became a rod again. So when, when, but when we hold that in our hand, whatever, whatever situation might be, whatever, whatever circumstance it might be, when we hold it in our hand, there, there's nothing special. When we're doing it in our own strength, there's really nothing special, nothing that we can do with it in, in and of our own strength. But when, when, we, when we let that go, when we let God take control of the situation, he does a miracle with it. And when he picked it back up, again, it's just a normal rod. So when, when we hold stuff in our hand, when we don't let God do something with it, it's, it's just going to stay a rod. But here's the purpose of that. Verse 5 it says that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So that others might believe. That's why God does miracles in our lives. Again, we talked about earlier when, when we go through circumstances and we look back and, and we, can, we grow in our faith and we look back and we know God did that. That we, we grow in our, in our own faith and then miracles happen in our lives so that we grow as well. But also so that others around can see and they can grow and they might believe in God. So share those miracles in your guys' lives. Look for them. Pray for them. Ask God, God, do, do something amazing with my life. Do something amazing. Do something special. And then share it. When stuff happens, share it with your friends. Hey, Jesus just did this in my life. Maybe something even small, but who knows? Maybe something big. And I pray for you guys that God will do big and amazing things with your guys' lives. So that was the purpose of it. They might believe. In verse 6, Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom, and that's a funny word, and he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. So, as if he didn't believe enough of that. Furthermore, God gave him another miracle. He said, put your hand, put your hand in your, like in your cloak or whatever they would wear, like their, I don't know, garments. Put your hand in your bosom. So he put it in there. He said, now take it out. Okay, God. Ah! <laughs> That's probably exactly how it went. So don't look at me weird. <laughs> it turned into a white leprous hand. Leprosy was... Leprosy. <laughs> it was freaky. You would not want leprosy. He must have been freaking out. And God told him, put it back in. I'll put it back in real quick. So he puts it back in. And he says, now take it out again. And it's a clean hand. Oh, thank so God gave him this other miracle again that they might believe. So he put his hand in his bosom again, drew it out, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Verse 8 says, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the second sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it out on the dry land. The water you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. So God is just giving opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to prove that he's going to be with him, that there's nothing to worry about. And let's see Moses' response. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So now Moses, again, he, he makes another excuse. Sorry, I got distracted there. Moses, again, he makes another excuse. He looks, he looks at himself, at his weaknesses, and he says, God, I've, I, I'm slow of speech. I'm not, I'm not eloquent. I, I, I'm not, maybe, I don't know, maybe saying I'm not, I'm not very smart. I don't have good vocabulary. 
um, slow speech. Some people said Moses might have had a stuttering problem. And he looks to himself. Instead of looking to God, the one that's doing all this stuff, the one that just turned his hand white, leprous, white as snow, back and then back to a normal hand, instead of looking at him and, and trusting him, he makes an excuse. And again, we, there's no reason for us to make excuses. I mean, but what can I say about Moses? I mean, I make excuses all the time in my life too. But thank God we have, we have the Bible, we have the characters of the Bible to look at and say, yeah, he was, he was a normal guy. And check it out, God didn't give up on him. And thank God he doesn't give up on us either. But hey, let's just look at the example of Moses and let's not make excuses. So the Lord said to him, this is such an awesome response. Who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I, says the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. So God just gently again reassures him, Moses, who made your mouth? That thing that, that you're so worried about. Who, who made your mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, says God. That, that's so awesome. Just reassurance. Moses, that, that thing that you're, you're so worried about, I've, I've made it. I've made you. The book of Jeremiah, is, or in the Psalms, actually both, says that I, I knew you before you were born. God knew you before you were born. Before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us and he formed us. And he has a purpose for that. And God had a purpose for, for creating Moses that way with that, with that weakness. And each and every one of us, we, we, have, we have weaknesses of our own. But God is good. And Paul, Paul wrote to uh, the Corinthians, we just went over that a few weeks ago, that in my weakness, he is made strong. And we can make excuses and we can not go ahead and, and do what God asks us to do. And we'll never know, we'll never know what will happen. We'll never get to see it. That'd be such a bummer. But we can trust God and we can go ahead and do it, whatever, whatever that is. Be, be a light for him. Be a witness for him. Live strong. Live, charge hard for Jesus. Live for him. And in our weaknesses, we get to see God working in those areas of our lives. And then God is glorified. Whatever that situation is, it comes to pass. Everything is awesome. And in our, in our weakness, he is made strong. It's so great. I love when, when Job as well, you guys know the story of Job. His life also, like Moses, just came crumbling to the ground. Everything was taken away from him. Satan buffeted him. He, he asked God, can I touch his life? Can I test him? And God allowed it. That, that's one huge thing to remember, that God allowed it. God doesn't, would not test us, wouldn't want those things to happen, but he, he, does, he allows it to happen. But his grace is always there and always sufficient for us. So Job's, Job's life too came crumbling to the ground and through it all, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. But he came to a point where he finally just asked God, he just finally broke and just asked God, why? In one word I said, but it goes on for a whole chapter in, in the book of Job, just everything that he's doubting. He finally comes to that point of just being honest and just, okay, God, and, it, and it's okay, and it's, it's healthy, and it's good. Yes, ask God, why? God, why is this happening? But we have to, we have to ask it with the right heart. God, what are, you, what are you doing? Seeking the Lord and not just, God, God, why? So Job asks him, God, why is this happening? And God simply, again, through, through the whole chapter, my, my favorite verse, he just asks him, Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I laid the foundations? Job just sits back and, I was, uh, I was nowhere, God. 
I'm, uh, I'm no one to, to ask that. Go ahead, please. Please do your will in my life. It's so great. Man, when we see God for all who he is, how, how holy and powerful he is, there's really, there's no, there's no place for, for excuses, for, for doubt. There's only trust in him. He's not an awesome and almighty powerful God that's just the man upstairs. He, he wants a relationship with us. That's so amazing. So we, we, we should and we absolutely should trust him, just walk with him. So God told Moses, he asked him, Moses, who made, who made your mouth? Who made that thing that you're so worried about? I did. Trust me. I love you. I'm going to use you. Verse 12 says, now therefore go. I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what you should say. That is so comforting that God, God tells him he will be with him. And he, he's with us too every day of our lives. Do you guys see that in your own lives? Do you pray every morning before, before you go out? Do you pray and ask God, hey, God, be with me today. And then you get to see it throughout the day how he is with you. It's so great. And Moses, or God told Moses, I will be with you. Verse 13, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. <sighs> Moses is just right on the brink of giving up here. And it's so sad. It's all these miracles that, that God was doing right in front of him and was promising, I'm going to do even more of these for the Egyptians. And he's on the brink of giving up. He says, Lord, just send, send anyone else. And verse 14 says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And that's, that's kind of confusing at times to read. How, how, why did God get angry? Can, can God get angry? Well, it says right there, the anger of the Lord was kindled. Yes, God was, was angry, but it's not like like angry when, when, so when we hurt each other and we get in a fight and we're angry with each other, right? But it's, it's a, a, righteous, a righteous indignation. And it, it's for a right reason. Man, God was pr promising him all these great and awesome and mighty things. And Moses gives up and, and God is just, ah, Moses, come on. I, I, would, I would like to think it's more like, like, a, like an angry disappointment. Like, come on, Moses. I just did all this awesome stuff. Just let's do this thing. So his reaction here, though, is, is huge here. It's, he doesn't get angry and give up on him. That is so great. And I'm so thankful that in, in those times in my life where I've been on the, on the brink of, of giving up and, and just one last cry out to God, God, just do, do something. God didn't give up on me either. And God doesn't give up on us ever. He said, where is it? I love the Bible so much. I love the Old Testament so much. I love these stories because this is the same God that we believe and we trust and we have a relationship with him. Do you guys believe that? Like this stuff can happen to us too. I absolutely believe it. If God wanted to speak to me in a burning bush, I absolutely believe it. I would love to go on a hike and see a burning bush. I would love to, no, I wouldn't love to see a rod turn into a snake. Absolutely not. But you read these stories in the Old Testament and you wonder, God, do you, you still do this stuff? I remember reading through the Bible the first time and I was like, this is so awesome. And I asked, God, God, do some awesome stuff in my life too. And he did. He did. It's the same God that did all this crazy awesome stuff in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the whole Bible. If you guys haven't read the Bible for from Genesis to Revelation, I would encourage you, man, read the whole Bible. Just pick up in Genesis, read through it, read these awesome stories, because this is the same God that loves us and that we get to serve and walk through this life with. So awesome. I lost my spot again. 
Therefore, I will be with you. Lord, please send someone else. 14. Thank you, Joel. Oh, the anger of the Lord is kindled. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in your mouth, or in his mouth, put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. <laughs> I don't know why that came out so weird. And I will teach you what you shall do. That's so great that God brought, brought a helper for him. God, God saw his weakness. God knew that, hey, this guy, this guy needs some help. And he brought a helper in his life to do this task with. God didn't just leave him and, and give up on him. He's going to bring this thing to pass. So he shall be your spokesman and to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God, as God's mouthpiece. And you shall take this rod in your hand, which... And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So take this thing, this awesome thing that I've just showed you. Take it with you. Go show it to other people. This is going to be awesome. Guys, do the same thing. Whatever, what, what do you have in your hand? That's the question. What do you have in your hand that God's doing in your life? Maybe just an ordinary thing. But what does God have, what do you have in your hand that God's put in your life that he's going to use? If you don't know yet, ask him. Pray. Ask God. God, what, what's my life? What are you going to use? Put something in my life that I can use. And then go. Just like you said, go. Take this rod in your hand. Do these amazing signs that people might believe. Guys, people, people are going to hell. If you didn't realize that, there's a lot of people outside of these doors that don't know Jesus. And we need to tell them about Jesus. And the biggest testimony to them is the testimony of Jesus working in our own lives. So, Take this rod. Take whatever's in your hand. Go out. Be a light for him. Don't make excuses. Like we saw from Moses, don't make excuses. And again, God can use ordinary, ordinary people. Moses was a, a broken man that was tending to sheep. If he can use a shepherd, if he could turn a rod into a serpent, he can do, he can do anything, right? Absolutely. You got a hard test coming up? Pray and ask God for help. He can help you through it. Study for it. Do your part. That's for sure. <laughs> but pray. Ask God to be a part of your daily life. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is recorded down just the amazing, awesome acts that, that you've done and that we can learn from it. And God, would you do awesome, awesome things in our lives as well? Would you put things into our life that, that maybe we... We don't see as anything special, but God, I know you, you want to use us to further your kingdom, to show your love to people in our lives. And God, would you be with us in, in the rest of this week and this weekend? Uh, give us strength, Lord. Lord, when we, when we doubt, Lord, when we look at ourselves and, and we don't know how to do it, Lord, would you speak to us and show us your, your love and your mercy, Lord. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning for us in your grace, Lord. And just thank you and praise you for your love and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.